This sermon is from September 2nd, 2012. It was not recorded in the sanctuary due to some technical difficulties. In his book, Spiritual Wisdom in the Gospels, John Shea comments on today's Gospel of Mark, referring to how traditions originally formed to protect the center of the traditions, that they sometimes end up being all about policing the rules of the tradition, taking the heart of it, in a way, out of the tradition itself. He says this referring to today's reading. At the core of the Jewish tradition is the double commandment to love God and neighbor. As generation succeeds generation, many ancillary traditions are created to adapt this love of God and neighbor to new situations. In theory, these traditions are always secondary to the center, to the loving heart of the tradition itself. They, the traditions, are evaluated by how they correspond to this center and heart. However, in practice, these traditions become functionally autonomous. They take on a life of their own. The distinction between the center and the periphery, the heart and the lips, is obscured. The valid question of embodying the center and heart in particular traditions is reduced to an obsession with the externals. And I believe that one of the reasons that Jan Hus that we struggle is because we don't end up staying outside the periphery. We enter into that center toward the heart of the tradition in in many ways the tradition of hospitality, welcoming the stranger among us. And we don't do that as a spectator from the periphery or even outside the periphery, but inside towards the center, which frequently for us is also the edge where people who are living under conditions of homelessness or marginalization reside and where we do our work. So the struggle for us in many ways is indicative of the truth, the fact that our practice is not done at a distance by any means with the people we serve. Shea continues in his writing, he says, Also the center and the heart are inside. They cannot be observed and measured directly. The traditions are external behaviors and often deal with objects such as foods, cups, pots, bronze kettles, etc., and how they are used. When I taught in uh, high school, I taught special ed in a public school, and one of the things that we had to do on a regular basis when we wrote our objectives for the kids, uh, for their IEPs, the, the individual education plans, or instructional educational plans, was we needed to have instructional objectives. That is, objectives that could be measured, quantified, observed, because we were charting the progress of kids. And then there were objectives that were more observable and informal the heart of the tradition tends towards that abstract, not informal, but something that really can't be quantified. And when you're put in charge of protecting a tradition, or you believe that you're in charge of protecting a tradition, the thing that many will do is to create boundaries, and those boundaries become hard objects, so to speak things that can be measured, observed, quantified, made to keep you out or to let you in if you are one of the few.
that is permitted to get close to the tradition. And so you can see how, even from the very beginning, many of these practices turn things on their head instead of, being, instead of bringing the tradition to life. Uh, in many ways, contained it, froze it down, changed it into something it was really never meant to be. The, the folks that, well-meaning or otherwise, do such things, they ask questions about the traditions. They, or the questions they ask are really trivial because they've forgotten the very important question. They no longer know the difference between God's commandment and human customs. But Jesus, the Son of God, lives out of the heart and center. He prophetically confronts their hypocrisy, their inability to adequately hold together the inner love of God and neighbor and the outer ways that love should be embodied. Shea continues, The Pharisees and scribes are concerned with ritual defilement, eating with unclean hands, cooking with unclean pots, therefore ultimately putting unclean food in you. The movement is from something outside the person, designed as unclean, going inside the person and contaminating them in the process. So with this understanding, all attention and energy is in the external external world, fearing and avoiding an outer uncleanliness that could inadvertently produce spiritual impurity. Sort of like placing a bubble around you. Now, Shea also talks about the spiritual teachers themselves, and he references Jesus. He says that, as with all spiritual teachers, Jesus is concerned about moral defilement, not ritual defilement, moral defilement, how evil comes into the world. And this happens in the exact opposite way of ritual impurity, that is, from the outside towards the inside. Jesus' teachings were that defilement begins and develops in the human heart in the cultivation of, quote-unquote, evil thoughts, intentions, and imaginings, quote, People work from the inside out, and their minds are full of unsavory imaginings and thoughts, and these become the drivers of their actions. So it's the thoughts that become the drivers of the actions. Anger, jealousy, resentments, and so forth. The Pharisees and scribes are obsessed with the ritual defilement and the external world. Jesus' attention is on the internal world and moral havoc it unleashes. He is intent on finding the drivers of immoral behavior, so to speak. The Pharisees are trying to control behaviors to preserve traditions. It becomes a bit of a mess. Shea's words on today's readings point out something else. That no matter how we might otherwise like it, we always need to look at the harmony or alignment between our outer actions and our inner selves. This calls for a lot of work, and sometimes we discover that what we find are some of those unsavory things lurking below our thinking and producing actions that have moved far from the center of who we are, who we are called to be, and who we desperately want to be. 
This is what Jesus was calling folk to, and this is why so many ran in the opposite direction. Who wants to do this stuff? Unless you want to do this stuff, if you know what I mean. Now, Jesus had a way of talking past all the distractions and rituals directly to the heart. I think that he was in tune with the heart in such a way that it always heard him. And the resulting pain or depression was caused by the imposition of our thinking selves beyond a boundary too far. Jesus knew the language of the heart could not be removed when it heard its voice called. So better not to call the voice and see all that needs to be done? Wasn't that much like what the prophets did? In my own life, I am always aware of my tendency toward multiple layers of motives. I can have a good reason or motive for doing something, only to discover that below the good motive are currents of hurt, anger, envy, retribution that drive, drive the action of what looks good on the surface with the inner satisfaction of getting even, for example. Think passive aggression, cynicism, character assassination, candy-coated bullets, you know the ones. Now, once I understand this, the work of changing my behaviors begins. The sometimes difficult work, well, always difficult work of changing my behaviors. And the stubbornness and difficulty with which the disciples and others had in grasping these words makes it clear that I am not alone in this. From Mark. When he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, Then do you fail to understand also? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile, since it enters not the heart but the stomach, and goes out into the sewer? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, It is what comes out of a person that defiles, for it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come, evil intentions come, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these things come from within, and they defile the person. The word defile is used 11 times in the New Testament. I looked it up in the concordance. And there's a modern word used to grasp the sense of the Greek word Mark used, which is koinoo, that is, to make common or Levitically unclean, to render something unhallowed or unholy. The word defile doesn't actually occur in the modern languages until somewhere around the 14th century, so it is a word that to Mark and Jesus meant making the sacred unclean by treating it in a common way. What more common way of treating the sacred could there be than thinking that somehow a human could control it, protect it, preserve it? The good news from what I can tell in all this is that our hearts are sacred and they are to be cared for, treated as a, treated as a temple, gently and with love, relied upon in even the most difficult of conditions, for the heart is strong enough to bear it all when it is seen as the center of God's love in us. The difficult news, it seems to be, from the words of the Gospel, and even considering some of my own actions, is to know that we can defile this sacredness, 
we can make the heart a common thing that just pumps blood and keeps us breathing and moving, which is important, but very common when you think about it, even in its mystery. We can act and behave counter to that for which the heart was first intended and created, not as a muscle, but as a center for the presence of God. That puts much on us, if you think about it, and Jesus puts much on us as he did on those around him. It was his way. Caring for the heart is a lifelong journey, for the heart is more than that muscle in a body. It is the center of God's love in our lives, greater than a heart, greater than any muscle, greater than anything that can be measured, quantified, observed, or proven. And if we care well enough for that, everything else will turn out just fine. As my southern friends say, some of them, bless your heart, and all of you and those around you will be blessed as well. For the language of a heart, the heart, is a language of blessings and love. May you know these in all the ways that you can. Amen.